Hello and welcome to UK Cowboys Fans TV Season 4 Episode 30. I'm your host for this week, Gary Wilson. I'm returning from COVID IR. So please bear with me. If there are a couple of if there are a couple of dead air moments, please refer to my my three running backs this week that will hopefully manage me through the game. This week we've got Lorne, we've got Paul, and we've got the utility offensive lineman. Richard Jones that can catch touchdown passes as well. How are we doing, gents? What a... (laughs) Oh, Oh, fantastic. I am saying as a designated receiver, don't kid yourself on. Hey, Rich, there's nothing wrong wrong being a utility man. Utility men can do so many things. They're very underrated. You are our Conor McGovern. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so as you can see here, the comments are coming in. Labaski is sending his wishes there because he's missed you big time, Graham. So he has. Yeah, uh, and uh, DJ, DJ Dog in there as well. Good to see you. Yes, 40 Bogarty free. Yeah. Jo, Joe, as always, all the way from Italy, giving us a big hello. So, guys, yeah, make sure you send in your comments. Obviously, we're off a good, a good result on Sunday. What's what's our results? <laughs> team 40 burger has returned against the best team in the NFC East. What was then? Um surprised, I'll be I'll say that. I, I think a lot of us had it in our minds that we were going to Minnesota to lose pretty much. Me, I had my doubts mm-hmm. myself, and my my goodness, how have a polished overall performance that was from defense to special teams to everything. It was probably one of the best Cowboys performances I've seen probably in the last 10 years against a team that was 8-1 and that's beat the Buffalo Bills the week before and we came out and absolutely took out the, their number one, the, arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL right now in Justin Jefferson and stopped the run game, which has been our biggest leak throughout the game. And we, what, we just, we, we were just... I hate to use the word amazing, but we will. Yeah. I, I, I can't like really put any negatives thoughts. And this is going to be hard for quite a lot of us because normally we want to kind of say something negative, but <laughs> I can't really think of anything negative in that performance at all. Can you think of anything negative, Lauren? The officials, but that was about it, you know. <laughs> but, that, but that's no Cowboys related, though. That's No, I know. But they, they, they did their best to screw us over, and you know, yeah, yeah, I, they I'm, I'm, pretty, they I'm pretty sure it might have been a different story if Mahar had missed the the, the second kicking of the 60, 60 yarder. That might have been a, a momentum changer. But well, then so. it's a good thing Mahar is a freaking machine. Hey, listen, listen, I will praises to Brett Money Mahar right now, like for. And I think I speak for right. quite. A, I think we, I think we speak for quite a lot for like a lot of Cowboys fans out there in terms of how wrong are we about Brett Maher? He's came in with we were like, oh no, why are we bringing him back in again? And mm-hmm. and by but my goodness, he has since he's left Dallas, he's reinvented himself. He's came back and he's been nothing but exceptional. He's made. Yep. Well, I think he's only like missed two field goals, but that was maybe like down to wind or down, mm-hmm. etc. Like, and it's like like 
based on really bad conditions. And it was like I think one of them was against the New York Giants, and I can't remember the other. What the other was Philadelphia. The other was Phil- Philadelphia at uh, Philadelphia. Well, there you go. So they were both, yes. both outdoors, both fifty-nine yarders. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, Brett Maher, you have redeemed yourselves, good sir. Just I mean, so don't don't crush my hopes. Don't go back. (laughs) Don't go back. back. We don't want to be going back. The really impressive thing was to go and do that, to get over that, to make that kick the first time, because it's a bit of a been a bit of a thing for him. He goes, he makes the kick, sneaks it in, the elation, and then to be brought slamming back down. Yep. When it was all reviewed, and then okay, you got to go do it again. And the second kick was better than the first. The first, second one was. <laughs> oh <beautiful>. my god! That's the thing. Like you said, Brett Mahas is like, I was like, you know what, referee, she actually done me a wee favor. Let me just kind of make it even better. You know? Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> quite happy with the first one. Let me do it again. And she's like, hey, there you go. There, that's. Better. I was, I was, and it was bang down the middle as well. The second one. Beautiful. Oh. Absolutely beautiful. Brilliant. So. Question for all of you. See if see if you can give me a definitive answer on this one. Okay. Which unit contributed most to the to the win on Sunday? It has to be, well, I wouldn't say running game as such. I say it's more the hybrid of using our running backs in terms of how we distributed Tony Pollard because he was pretty much our number one wide receiver in that game. We mixed it up quite well. So I would say it's kind of if you're gonna put it to a specific group. I would put it to our running backs. The reason I ask the question is because, yes, you've got Team Fortyberg or on the offense, but you've also got a defense that shut down a pretty good offense. You know, ten points wins that game on Sunday. So, Rich, yep. Lauren, what do you guys think? <laughs> I, I have to, I have to, I have to agree. To be honest, I, you know, I was actually saying if if um, if Parsons hadn't actually managed to get the strip strip sack on the third play from scrimmage, you know, and, and the Vikings had managed to march that ball down the field. From that point on, um, Cousins was looking rocky as anything. I mean, he was ducking and diving, you know, even when there wasn't anything there. It was almost going back to um, who was the Sam Darnold when he was said, oh, I'm seeing ghosts. You know, it was almost like that. But, um, you know, there was, there was pressure coming. And obviously on that, that first sack as well, we knocked Darasaw out of the game as well. And after that, you know, their left tackle was a weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one with the, it was the sack with Demarcus Lawrence as well. Oh, that, you know, that, that it was literally that, was. That, yeah, that was the that was the nail. In, I think that was the nail in the coffin when D Lord got through. It was like literally through the middle, was it not? They came back from the inside to get the sack. Yeah, pretty much. He he dodged around and then swam up on the inside and went arm over. Yeah. Uh, It's so funny that you mentioned, like, when you mentioned, like, the 10 points there, I saw a lot of um, the tweets from the Minnesota fans saying, it's like, oh, how can, like, about the holding call, a non-holding call uh, on Diggs and Jefferson, it's like, oh, he should have been called for us. And Amor was like, yeah, you're right. It should have been, but it still would have been 40 points to 10. So you're still going to lose. So it I makes mean, no, it makes no sense. <laughs> that's you know when you're when you're picking up one or two refereeing calls like that as the cause. That's pre- that's a pretty. Uh, it's defense, fair, uh, it uh, uh, yeah, it's very fun. It's a it's a fun like 
it's, they're trying to try and get some small victories in terms of that argument, but it's just like no, like they were just completely outclassed in this game, and it's, <coughs> it's something that we have not actually said all year. We've not used that once this year. It was outclassed, and by me, my goodness, we 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 outclassed an eight and one team. For anyone to criticize the Cowboys, I don't care what it's like. They, we had Shady McCoy on Speak saying, I'd rather have Kurt Cousins than Dak Prescott. Look yeah. who's not talking this week. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's like you can say whatever you want, Shady McCoy, yeah. but the fact is you just got absolute wrecked on national television. Some people are just Cowboys haters. So, Rich, who, who are you giving the game ball to, offense or defense? I think it's got to be defense for mm. me because we all... I think we all had a fair amount of faith that it was going to be a case of knocking off rust, especially for Dak, him getting back into things, him looking like there's a couple of comments come in already saying he was looking a lot more himself, mobile. a lot more mobile. There was a lot yeah. more plays in there that he, that he typically does. Um, the, when you can have your weakness as a team or as a unit, not be a factor and play up to that, to that level, you you know you got something good going on. Mm-hmm. The run defense wasn't wasn't a problem at all. No. Um, and add to that, then seven sacks in one game. Like frick, like even we're really not used to that on a on a regular basis with this unit we've had or this core that we've had last year and this year. It's not a very common thing. The defense definitely held them back. The fact that they only held them the three points, that first drive where they held them out, that was a real hit. Like their first proper drive when they got down to the red zone, and not obviously the very first drive. Yeah, but when they got down there and holding them out, oh, that really knocked them. I mean, I'm just I'm just looking at the the Minnesota rushing statistics uh, statistics right now. I mean, Dalvin Kurt for 11 carries, 72 yards. His longest was 17 yards. So that was probably the biggest gain in terms of mm. fruit, fruit their whole offense. Because yeah. mm. even from their wide receivers, like like yeah, that rush 17 yards was the longest game for that. Like even more so than Jefferson, Hawkinson, you name it, and. When you look at like and Dalvin Cook and, and Madison, that's a really good one-two punch combination of, of running backs. Like they've been yeah. really solid, right? And the fact is, like Madison, two carries, zero yards, but as long as yard, uh, your longest game is three yards, but he also had a negative, so he had a loss of yardage yep. to cancel that out. So the, the I, ones, the one stat that you need to know is that Tony Pollard outgained the entire Minnesota offense by six yards. Just by himself, he outgained them yep. by six yards. Yep. Yeah, That's and just... he outs- he outscored them fourteen point. Well, call it twelve points. Twelve points to three. Yeah, as well. Paul's provided a nice little segue to my next question. Dalvin Cook averaged six and a half yards per rush. I mean, did, what, they, you put, did what, their what, offensive what, game unravel mm. on Sunday? I mean, even six point five yards is actually not a bad statistic in a way. Yeah. Like if you're if you're, if you're powering through heavily in the run game, but they had yeah. they were forced to pass it, they were forced to move the move the try and throw the ball. So, mm-hmm. um, whether they if Minnesota stuck to the running game, we we don't know. But like Gallimore, everybody like from uh, Osa de Gazua to 
Watkins and etc. They, they were all there and they were all filling those gaps in the inside run. And I, and I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lon, I think that 17 yard rush was pretty much going out to the edge on the weak side. Yep. Yeah, yeah so, they, they, they were attacking the outside uh, as you'd expect. You know, yeah, has yeah. been the weakness. But I mean, the the one that got me as well, obviously, Anthony Barr has reaggravated the hamstring during practice on Saturday. He's now doubtful for the next couple of weeks at least. Yeah. Um. So Damone Clark was chucked into the deep end again, and you know, first first drive, he you know he got washed away by one of the offensive linemen. Um. But you know, from that point on, he he was coming up and he was getting through the blocks and he was making tackles. So we were minimising everything as well. So this yeah. is. So um, will we move on to news and updates? Because we've got a Mike McCarthy press conference to digest. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Yep. Okay, so Micah Parsons, I'm sure we all had a little tear shed when we saw Parsons not hobble, but gingerly come off the field. Um, he he did come back into the game and he finished the game. Um, the line is always hungry and you can't keep him on the sidelines. Uh, Mike McCarthy did say in his press conference that he was limited, but he did take part in the practice. What do we think on the short week? Are we a little bit concerned? Are we not concerned at all? He's good. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not generally concerned. Like if he was actually like taken through to the back, then I would have been more concerned. But that's the same. Yeah. It seemed to be just more of an observation <clears throat> on the side of the field and. And like you said, there, Graham, he came back onto the field and he still was produced. It was still being very productive. So I have no concerns. I think they'll just kind of want to rest them up and just do more like game scouting, like just go walkthroughs and stuff like that, just to kind of um, when it comes to playing against the Giants on for uh, for Thanksgiving. So I'm not worried. I, I think I think I think you could amputate his legs and still get three sacks. Well, um, that's, that's the very question I was going to ask you. As Cowboys fans, we're not. Um, we know very well how knee injuries can dismantle a team's season. Um, is Micah Parsons bucking the trend a little bit? Because he seems to be bouncing back from some pretty dodgy situations in terms of his legs and his knees and so on. He seems to finish the game and want to get back in there. Yeah, he's I a grown-ass man. He's a lion. He's, hung- yeah. he's, he's, he's hungry. He's, he's just he, he just wants to go out there and ball out. Like that's just the that type of blue collar, just like see ball, get ball mentality. And I, mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if come the off season you get reports that he's had, you know, the MCL, the ACL, the PCL, and mm. every ligament re- restructured in his body, you know, and he, but he's still back out there come start a training camp and OTAs. Um, you know, he, he's he's taking it on his shoulders to be this the lifeblood of defense and the team i think and you know everybody's building off it um you know all last week you know that that packers game i think i said on on thursday that you know the the packers game might have been very similar to sort of 1992 when we, we went to monday night football we lost to the eagles and um from that point on you know the 
the guys got together and said, right, this is it, we're steamrolling from now on. And I think, you know, the, the emphasis last week was that they were all pissed off that they frittered away that 14-point lead against Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, and they had unfinished business. And as long as, you know, they the, the continue with that mindset for the rest of the season, I think this is just going to be... Now, you've got all to play for this week. This week's the... the this OBJ. is the big one. This is the big one. This is the big one. Yeah, it's the, it's the OBJ bowl, because obviously he said that, you know, he's going to sign with either Dallas or New York yeah. Giants. So we'll after, after this weekend as yeah. well. So Yeah, well, we'll, 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 we'll definitely cover on that on, for the pregame show, for sure. Yeah. So also a report that Terrell Basham, Dante Fowler, Jonathan Hankins and Kelvin Joseph are dealing with an illness. Mm-hmm. Masks were worn at practice today. Rich, are we a little bit concerned about that? Um, I mean, it's that time of year. You typically get guys coming down with things like this, especially this time of year, wherever you t- typically are. I don't think you really need to worry. It will probably affect them for this week, but long term, I don't have any real concerns. They're, yeah, I they're mean, healthy individuals. It sounds yeah. to me as if it's just a bug. It's not a don't Basically, think it's going to keep anybody else. Yeah, out. it's you. It happens every year. Every year, you get a couple of people. They get a bug. They may be a bit funny for for a game, especially if they get it right before the game if they play, and then they're fine. Yeah. Well, put it in this perspective, I'm not feeling great myself, and I've already tested uh, for the the COVID test, and I'm all negative. I'm all fine. It's just a mm. common cold I've got right now, and I was pure panicking about not even making it to my flight next week. So, <laughs> so and I know, I know, I know. But we'll leave it at that. But anyway... That's Paul um, living in bubble wrap for a week. Oh, <laughs> you have no idea. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> so we did we did touch on, on Odell Beckham Jr. Um, reports in the media through through a couple of weeks now that he is he's ready to start talking to teams again. Um, certainly mm-hmm. from what I've seen the, the two front runners are the Cowboys and a return to the Giants Odell Beckham Jr what do we think um, they discussed it in commentary on Sunday um, you have to look at individuals like Michael Gallup how does Michael Gallup feel about something like that well, I don't know really to be perfectly honest I think like in, we kind of had like even though like when you look back a couple of years ago when we traded for Mario Cooper we even argue it's like is America Cooper even worth going for a first round? And now in hindsight, yeah, it definitely was. But I don't see like especially with like sort of Odell Beckham now, he's he's now he has matured a lot in the past two years. He's no longer the the player that threw his helmet and came back and hit him across the face anymore. He's not that type of guy anymore. He's but for likes of Gallup, I think he can still learn some different things. Uh, different moves and different techniques from a guy like Odell and stuff like that. I mean, I don't see any issue bringing him in at all, like as long as it doesn't kill us in the cap, pretty much. Yep, Rich. I'm not massively against it, uh, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think him to Dallas is a load of hype, um, to use that word. I think he's just going to end up back with New York, and that's it. Do, do you think Beckham will really want to go back to the freezing cold of New York? Though I don't think he want to go back to the freezing cold, but I think he'll want to go back and be the guy because they've got pretty much 
Not much at the I, minute. I don't, I don't, either. But I'm trying to think it from Beckham's point of view. Well, I'm, this is where I'm thinking when it comes to Beckham because he knows he's just coming back from a massive injury and to be thrown in there pretty much full tilt if he's to play at New York, it's going to be so reliant and heavy on him. For all we know, he might actually get injured within the first week of him going out there. But if you were to kind of distribute him and under the tail and more way of distributing your right receivers, we actually might get a bit, a lot more out of him. So that's where I'm kind of thinking and talking towards that. I, th- I think it'd be useful. I mean, obviously, you're seeing that um, the dirty birds up north are stocking up on the defensive <laughs> linemen to to um, stop with stop potential um, Zeke Elliott runs and Tony Pollard. They're you know they're obviously strengthening that line to stop us. Um, you know if you got somebody like Odell, you know that's another weapon that yeah they can put eight in the box or whatever they need to do, and you just you, you counter with a pass, quick pass to Odell or what you know you've got another weapon in the through the air. Um, so. I can only see it being better for us. Uh, as Paul says, as long as it doesn't kill us on the cap, because obviously we've got a lot of decisions to make in the next couple of years. Um, hopefully we're looking for a couple of guys. Um, you, we've got a lot of guys to reconsider and hopefully we're looking at signing a few of the guys already this off season. Um, so, you know, we want, we want to have the money ready. Um, and I think you know OBJ. He's got family in North Texas. He's from North. He's from roundabout North Texas as well. So um, I th- I think there's a good chance he will. Cons- we are serious players. And Jerry was on uh, 105.3 saying that you know it's it, he's he's trying not to discuss it because at the moment they are in the middle of negotiations and he doesn't want he wants to do whatever he can to to make sure that we we get in there um you know and he's he has been we have been critical critical of the front office but oh yeah they 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 have made moves they haven't made marquee moves but you know um we're now in a position where we are maybe that one player away and it is odell beckham that one player who knows Okay, another slight angle for you then. Are the are the Cowboys talking to Beckham Jr. because Jalen Tolbert has been a non-factor? I think that may be one of the reasons as well, for sure. Like, I'll be perfectly honest. Like, Tolbert has been a massive disappointment from because I generally thought I had him being our second rounder. Like in the draft mm. compared to Sam Williams. Now I am completely wrong in that department for sure. <laughs> like Sam Williams has completely made me eat so much humble pie in the past six, seven weeks. So um, I, I definitely think Tolbert's definitely been uh, not what we were expecting. Um, it could be one of those years where he may just might need to sit back and just like someone else with more experience to kind of kick in and maybe kind of help help to room a little bit. So we don't know. We don't know. And one for Rich. Is Tolbert the the non-entity because we're seeing Tony Pollard have six catches for 109 yards and two touchdowns? I think it's a fair point. Um, like, I don't think you necessarily have to worry about having another receiving target there when you have someone like Tony Pollard on your team. 
um, who obviously went and made the catches he does. I think it's maybe a factor, but it's Tolbert, Tolbert is, is, is definitely the master of his own destiny to a degree, uh, to a very large degree. Um, he just hasn't ultimately shown that he can take on that responsibility and produce and be relied upon to do that yet. I think is the main factor of it. He'll have had opportunities and he has had opportunities and they just passed him by. He hasn't seized them, simple as. Right, okay. I'm not going to torture you any longer. Let's go offence. Might not get the... So... It's my own wave, boy. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I guess... Yeah, apologies. I just got caught. No, no worries. No worries. I thought you were. I thought you were going to launch some breaking news there, Paul. I was getting all excited. No, um, no. So Team Forty Burger is back and hopefully here to stay. I'm not. I'm Lauren, you are you are major historian of Cowboys football. Have the Cowboys ever had a better one-two punch than this? I don't think I don't think so generally. I mean, as I've said recently, that you know, you go back to the 1980s. We've never had a single bell cow running back, other than Emmett Smith. I mean, when Tony Dorsett was here, you had Tony Dorsett, you had Ron Springs, you had Preston Pearson. Um, each of those had a role. All of these guys together, you're. Um, you, you you were getting you were getting function out of them, but I wouldn't say you've got this one-two punch that you have with Zeke and Pollard, and throwing Malik throwing Malik Davis as well, and you know you're just fantastic. I mean, th- th- this has potential that if we unfortunately do lose Pollard at the end of the season, you've potential that D- Davis can pick up. That's he showed quite a lot of burst as well. I could see him stepping in and, you know, standing in to that role as well. I will say about Malik Davis, I will give him some props. He knows how to bounce off a tackle. Oh, I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tony Romo raised that exact point that I think mm-hmm. Tony Parr leads the league in tackles after, uh, yards after contact. Yards after contact. Which he has incredible. his average for yards after contact is a lot better than the vast majority of actual average yards. So, so I, was about, I, I, I was actually talking about Davis there, but, but Pollard as well. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, um, wasn't it, um, oh, wasn't it like he, he he bounced off one into another one and then fell forward with like a whole, or drove forward with a whole pack in like the third quarter or something? Like it was insane, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he bounced off a uh, uh, Booth, I think. That's the one. It was. Like, that was just sheer determination. Like, you ain't taking me down. Like, I'm going. It, 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 it was a short yardage, but still, though, it, yeah. just, showed, it just showed the strength and his power oh. and his run. So, but oh. it, it, it's actually exciting, though, like, the fact that we've got players that they can just slot in like that. So, so situation for you, Paul, to, to talk us through. Um, they run Pollard on first and second down and switch him out for Zeke, who scores the touchdown on third down. What do we make of that? Absolutely fine. Like, like when you're in that position where you're nearly off the end zone, you want to use your, pa- your your power run. That's essentially what Zeke is. He is just all about the power run, smart, yeah. smart mouth football. 
just get it in the end zone. Like you, you saw it there. That was that was the blueprint. You saw it right there. Exactly what you said. You went down. They kept Pollard in. He unfortunately didn't get it over the line. He was bouncing around a bit. They put Zeke in. Boof. Through yeah. he goes. I think um, when I say that there wasn't a negative to talk about, I won't say it's a negative. If there's, I say it's more as an observation. Um, if there's one thing I've noticed is it's like whenever we're in the red zone and Tony Pollard is within the twenty yard line and we're running the ball, we're not as effective in comparison to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have mm. ever noticed that. So, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, obviously, as the real estate gets shorter, you know, you get particularly yeah. with those two two runs on first and second down and goal. I mean, obviously, you're going up. The, the offensive line didn't block it as well as they could. Jason Fer, uh, Ferguson got blown up in one of the plays, mm-hmm. um, which kind of held up Pollard and his progression as well. Um, that just happens when you've got eight, nine guys that are actually linemen that are on the line. Um, and that's the difference between, we've always said that Zeke Elliott will get you, you know, he can get tackled or he can get hit two yards in the backfield and still get you zero yards or one yard. It's very rare that he gets hit at minus two and stays at minus two. Yeah. Now Pollard, Pollard showed a bit of bounce, you know, he, he, made his initial um, push, didn't get there, and was able to keep on his feet and try and bounce around. But by that point in time, everybody had regrouped. Um, I think bringing Zeke on, on third down and just making sure that you get that as well and put put a nail in the coffin, um, yeah. you, do, you do what you can to score. So... I just want to, I want to, I want to mention this as well. Did anyone notice? And, and I made a tweet about this uh, during the game. It's like, do you remember what Le'Veon Bell used to do for the Steelers, where he would actually run up to the line of scrimmage and halt and wait to see how the blocks would open up? Yeah, we saw a lot of that from Pollard. He was anticipating and waiting to see where the gaps would open up. And even though as um, his design run maybe go for the A gap. If that A gap is shut, you'll wait and see if maybe the B gap or going to the other A gap on the other side might open up, you would do that. I thought that was really, really great awareness from Tony Pollard to do that. And it did give us those extra dirty yards going up, up moving up moving yeah. up the field. Yeah. 100%. He's paid attention to the past couple of seasons to Zeke and learned from Zeke in his vision. And just because you see something there, mm-hmm. don't brush at it straight away. Give it a tick, let it develop. And see what it's like because, like one of the comments said just there, Zeke has always had great vision, especially on the goal line. That's yep. one of the reasons he always is able to fall forward and get through because he'll see it and he'll go high, he'll go low, he'll put. He knows when to put the ball out and when to tackle it in and protect Absolutely. it. Absolutely, he has brilliant vision, and Tony Pollard has definitely benefited from that. And then he can apply his X factors to that and make the play his own, which is exactly what we saw there in the previous game. So I'm going to break out the crystal ball for a minute and say that Tony Pollard does get incredible money from somebody. I'm not going to embarrass them, the team to say they've got so much cap space, but say he does go and sign for somebody else. Does he sign for that team as a three-down back? He won't be a three-down back. Oh, no, a three-down back, I you mean like a second string there. So I do put no, he'll If he's going on a team... He's literally going to be guaranteed to be a starter. Yeah. But is he a three-down back? 
Um, I think they can be. Just because think, if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna pay a running back ten plus million dollars a season, you can have Waterman all three downs, do you not? Yeah. You want to want all three downs. You also want your running back to be able to pound the ball in when you're at goal and short. Um, there's questions on the offensive line, obviously, but Tony Pollard is not that kind of runner. That's not that's not his forte. His forte is when he has more space, when he can operate out there, and he can really really make you hurt if you give him space give him green he will obviously green grass he will he will seriously make you hurt zeke will pound it through you know it's coming it's going to come through anyway uh if i i i am concerned about if pollard for pollard if he goes somewhere else if that happens he's going to be expected to do that and he may not have the best of time doing it yeah in those situations I think whoever he signs with, I mean, obviously Pollard needs to do his own due diligence, but both both whoever he signs with and Pollard himself, they need to have a scheme that can get him to do what he excels at yeah. and minimise the things that he is a liability in. Yes. Now, obviously, we've seen that he's a liability in pass protection, um, you know, so it's, it probably is more of a grand and pound or, you know, at least, him coming out and I don't know West Coast offense style. Um, you know the short passes, a mm. outside outside runs that sort of thing. Um, you're not you're not going to ask him to go through through the a gap 15 times a game because he's he's you'll just no. wear him down. I mean it'll be it'll be like uh, Demarco Murray signing with uh, the Eagles and you know oh. that that scheme just didn't work for him. So yeah. Um, yeah, you, 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 Tony Pollard has shown exactly what he is. He is a very, very good player, and he is very good at what he does. But he does have his weak points, like a lot of people do. But he needs to be in a situation where he has that complementary running back. Whether he's one or whether he's two, however you consider it, he needs that complementary player. He needs mm-hmm. that power, bla- power back that can complement his game and the entire running game as well, that also ideally can pick up blocks. And the best place for him to continue to do that may well be Dallas. Yeah. Right, so yeah. before... Uh, Graham, if it's okay with you, I'll bring up some of the questions from the comments. Yeah, like so, so, Big Wheel is in the house. How we doing, my man? So he's just asking in regards to like, so the, the, the cap effect. If we do bring in OBJ, will we be able to keep Pollard if we pay Beckham? Um, Lauren, you're probably the best person to ask in terms of cap and yourself, Graham, in terms of that. Well, just before before Lauren answers, we'll, we'll go into the cap number. So right now, as it stands, the Cowboys have $6.5 million in cap space and they have $8.6 million next year. Yep. So, there is, so, so, so there is room. But, but, but they've, only got, they've only got about 30 players signed for next year. So yeah. you still yeah. got to, you know, there's about, I think yeah. there's something like 20, 20 players that are all free agents uh, in the next, uh, you know, in the next cycle. So you're yeah. going to have to replace them. Um, so some of these guys are obviously, they'll be restricted free agents. So you can get them for cut, cut price deals. Um, but... 
going for. I knew, I'm glad you that you just kind of mentioned regards to like said next year not because there's a, is a good question that kind of leads into that and it from DJ Dog, and he's asking what if we franchise tag Pollard and let Schultz swap. No, and I I agree with that and and I know right, and, and I have my sources on this. I know what I like. I'm gonna say it. Schultz is not gonna be here next year. Yeah. He's yeah, not gonna be. He's not. He's not gonna be here next year. And I've got my sources. I Flint, so I don't want to talk about it. Yep. Yeah, so and the way how Ferguson and Pendershaw are kind of helping with the run blocking and even the past game as well, I don't see why we need to keep Schultz as much as he's been like Dak's go-to guy. I don't think we'll, we'll keep him. Um, uh, also, another question coming from the sorry, very quickly on that, I would say this team has does have a problem with <coughs> letting people walk who are safety valves for their quarterbacks, and then when things don't go very well the next season, they stand around scratching their head, wondering what the heck went what went wrong, and it's pretty damn obvious, but they just don't seem to be able to see it. So what? I am really concerned about if that does happen. Well, you need to think of it in this way as well. Like, if it wasn't for the whole David and Joku um, deal with Cleveland, Schultz would not be getting that type of money that he's earning in terms of the franchise tag. No, that's, no, that's, that, that, that's, that's a fact. Like, yeah, that and Joku trade uh, the contract really bolstered up everything in terms of the value for tight ends. Like, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 rightly so. Schultz is like, wait, hold on a minute, my production was better than Njoku, so I should actually earn more money. And that's why he was wanting a more longer-term deal. But obviously, Dallas had different... They tried to make it work. Yeah. Didn't happen. So they put him in the franchise tag. And the way how things were thin... Well, I don't want to mention any details, but Schultz has not really been kind of happy, needless to say. And I think he's... Got, and, and this is why I think one of the decisions he has got to be looking for a new team next year. Yeah. So just on, now, just on the question of the salary cap, the, the running back number would be roughly about 13 to $14 million. Bearing in mind that you're already going to pay Zeke $15 million, can they really have $30 million tied up in two running backs? Restructuring. Um, well, restructuring. You need to restructure Zeke. That kind of brings up to Labasi's question there, so it comes to cutting and that no. as well, but... I don't think I don't think Zeke would, would get cut. He wouldn't want to leave nope. Dallas anyway. So he'll do whatever it takes to kind of restructure his contract. He still get his money because because <clears throat> how many times over the past couple of years we've restructured contracts to make things work? Like we might even restructure Dax deal yeah. again. Who knows? Yeah, there's there's too much of an argument to restructure Zeke's contracts now in light of how much Tony Pollard is contributing. They need to say, look, we can't necessarily allocate separate parts of this pie. I hate to use that analogy, but we can't all allocate mm. separate parts of this pie to Tony Pollard. So, Zeke, we need you to play good and share. And I think he'd be fine with it. But, yeah. Lauren, I'm going to bring Inter you back in, in a second, yep. but just to yep. let you know, guys, that um, cutting Zeke Elliott would result in $11.8 million in dead cap, mm -hmm. which the Cowboys simply cannot afford. Lauren, go mm. for it. Well, I mean, that's cutting them pre-June 1st. I mean, if you cut him after June 1st, make him a June 1st designation, it lowers it, but obviously spreads it out over the next couple of years. Um, the one thing I would say, that the running back number for this year actually was 9.5 million if you'd franchise tagged them. So 
it would be a saving on Dalton Schultz, who was 11 million. Um, but I know I told you that and Joko deal really bumped up everything up. Yeah, it, it all, I think, to be honest, it all depends on there's going to be a lot of questions to answer at the moment. Kellen Moore seems to be playing himself back into the, everybody's notebooks. No yeah. Tony Romo raised that exact point. He questioned um, whether both coordinators would be on the team next year. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, you then, you're then talking about having another um, potential offensive coordinator. Now, if you hire from within, you've got Nussmeyer. Nussmeyer knows the system. Um, but maybe McCarthy will want to bring in a little bit more of the Green Bay off style of offense that he ran mm. when he was coached there. Um, rather than, you know, he's pretty much let Kellen run his own place. Um, albeit he's now he's now maybe got power of veto on on them as they're being called in and you know um he's 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 saying no let's stick with stick with the run or whatever. Um <sighs> And uh, to to be honest, until they set the figures for next year, is to because obviously they they draw a line and they say right next year's franchise tag figures will be this for each position. We won't know what it will be. Normally, it's, it, running back because of the value of running back, it's it's actually lower than most offensive positions. Is it next? Um, sorry, Lauren. Is it next year the actual salary cap um, goes up? Is it next next season? It, so it that, should start. It should start to go up. It it's because of that TV deal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Right. But it's not. It's not going to be an astronomical jump at the moment. It's just. Um, that, it just that it gives you that <clears> little bit, <throat> little bit more, little bit more room because yeah. obviously if, it's more of an inflation, pretty much, really uh-huh. an inflation yeah. jump. Yep. But so I think what... the the year after that, I think you will see an above inflation, so it will suddenly jump. Thirty million dollars or something like that, because you'll be in the. I think the TDO starts next year, and then it, it you know, it increments it over and up. above that, which is yeah. why the, the structure of um, Pat Mahomes' deal is is such that you know, in the next couple of years, that he's going to be on fifty or sixty million a year, sort of thing, as part of this half billion dollar ten year deal that he's got. Um, so, and you know, they've accounted for the fact that you know it is going to go up 10 million, 20 million a year, or whatever. And you can you can practically get everybody in on it without um ampering your cap too much. So, I'm conscious that we've gone 44 minutes and we haven't talked about number four yet. Um, three count them, three of Dax passes hit the ground. On Sunday, Rich, take it away. Yeah, get get uh, get Rush in. He's past it, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> we were um, a certain element of cowboyization. We're ready to cut Dak Prescott last Sunday. I have to, I have to find that up. That's that that I, I can't believe people were actually saying that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. People like to be that? sensationalist, and some some of those people. Fortunately, unfortunately, have their own shows depending on your viewpoint. But yeah. I wonder who, Rich. Yeah, um, this is why you don't flap like a flock of seagulls and panic. 
um, especially when you have a guy that, like it or not, has proven um, and has has previous in actually being pretty decent. There are teams that would cut off limbs to have Dak Prescott, um, whether you personally like him or not. The guy does produce. Um, all that was needed was for him to shake off a bit of rust, and that's done. Sorry, but Labarski at the end, the ultimate troll yeah. that he is, needs to improve his accuracy. I think the thing about that, that and we're, we're, seeing it, we're seeing it with a, another team in the NFL, Dak will always be his biggest critic. Now, obviously, oh, yeah. there's, there's a lot of things that are said about Dak because he is the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, but he is his own biggest critic. And he will he will step up and say, look, that that loss is on the Green Bay loss is on me. I threw the two picks and all that. He's not going to say, you know, when I, if he's asked about, you know, does he feel he's let the defense down? He's not going to sit there and go, no, I don't. Um, you know, uh, and you, but this this isn't talking jets. So, um, but it's the, the one the, the the one the one thing about this this week, I mean. I thought it was brilliant. Tony Romo was in the building and we had two flashbacks to the two playoff losses against <laughs> oh, the Green Bay Packers. Was crazy, you had, wasn't it? Yeah. had CD Lab on the sideline with his toe tapping catch and you had Noah Brown with the football move. Oh, what was his name? Do you know who that reminded me of as well? That one play. That was like a, that was like a two for that reminded me of um, what was his name with the Michael Jackson catch? Michael Jackson. Was it Williams? Mm. Terrence Williams. Yeah. Oh, was it Terrence Williams? I can't remember. It was like a Terrence Williams kind of. Maybe yeah, in our. Oh, I think it was Terrence Williams. Yours. I'm going to have to Google this because this is going to annoy me. Terrence but it, Williams it was that style Seattle. of catch. It was literally, yeah. it was like all the Michael Jackson memes came out afterwards, grabbed it, toes just inside the line and just fell, just keeled over yeah, like a tree. You should have yelled timber. It was it was beautiful. Oh, it was, oh my God. So, Paul, another another element of that, 10 catches, um, 10 different players caught catches on Sunday. What do you make of that? That's incredible, isn't it? Again, just shows the distribution um, being thrown out. It's like there's no, I would still, I mean, even CD Lamb, you would consider to be our number one wide receiver. It doesn't really feel like we actually do have a wide number one receiver. It just shows you we're, we're trying to make defenses second guess about everything. No one expected Tony Pollard to be such an impact being as a wide receiver in that game. No one expected that. Like, we like we ex- we ex- like going into this game against Minnesota. We expected to be up against a really good like at the t- like the pre-game show. We thought our running game needs to step up. Blah 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 blah. I mean, what what was it? We got 151 rushing yards with two touchdowns. One from both of them coming from Zeke, but with Tony Pollard, he got two touchdowns from 109 yards receiving. 109 yards. Yeah, it's just it's an, an incredible. 307 yards in total. Do you know what this is the first time in this is the first time in franchise history that we've had a running back score two touchdowns and his stable mate scored two touchdowns pass uh, catching as well. So you've you've had the two touchdowns rushing and the two touchdowns passing. 
So a lot of a lot of history was made in that game actually because that was mm-hmm. our, that, that was our big, biggest away win like on the road etc like for like the deficit wise like thirty seven points difference like that, that that statistic on its own is just mind blowing to me like the fact that we did that in their backyard I, I still can't believe that happened the, the, send them into and, a negative point differential yeah the 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 other sort of history thing as well the last time that two Cowboys running backs had multiple touchdowns. You have to go back to the early 80s when Robert Newhouse and Tony Dorsett were playing. Wow. So, you know, so you're talking, eight, I think it was 83. Um, they, so, they were all I mean, right, weren't they, those guys? Yeah. If I remember. Oh, right. I mean, early 80s, they were, at the, they were in the NFC Championship game in three years straight. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we just... We came up against the catch. We came up against um, strike shortened seasons and yeah, things like that. You know. So, so, so just to kind of follow up the, to the original question that Graham was asking me in that, and just and I brought the comment from uh, Labaski there. It's like I'm totally fine with that point as well. I'm absolutely fine with we're not treating it as if we do have a number one right receiver. I'm happy the fact that we're just actually moving the ball forward as long as we get points in the red zo- in the end zone. I don't care who's catching the ball. End of the day, if we've got players in our squad can make plays, I'm all I'm all for that. The more it's distributed out to different players, great. That's as brilliant because it's, it's going to keep defenses, like I said, thinking all the time. Like it's not going to be like what happened with the Detroit Lions with St- Matt Stafford and Megatron all those years. Like that's all you heard was they, that that combination. It was the same way uh, Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown or. Uh, Brady and drunk essentially. We don't really like, even though Lamb, in terms of like, yeah, he's a first run draft pick, but we're still kind of utilizing him in a more rotational way. So I'm, 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 I'm happy. I'm perfectly happy for that. So I don't know what you guys think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We didn't see Brian Anger until the middle of the third quarter. That's crazy. That that that's just crazy. That just shows, like. That's more of a, a, yeah, just how well well polished our offense was in that game. It really is. And the, and the strange thing is, obviously, we talked earlier about there being illness going around the the Cowboys' room at the moment. Anger showed up on the on the, the injury report on Friday with an illness, and that caused me on Saturday to come onto our group chat and say, "So who the hell's our backup punter?" <laughs> you know, we don't we don't we don't have a Danny White as far as I was aware. I mean, you're it's not just as a backup punter. You've got who, who's going to be Holger as well, and you've got the whole schematics of um, the, the receiving long a long snap, the yep. holder and all that. Um, Probably you know, Michael Parsons. Well, Michael Parsons will do anything. He'll probably do it well. Just to round before. off, just to round off the forty burger uh, discussion, um, oh. we've seen Jerry Jones in the press. It was, I think, it was today. It was either today or yesterday that he suggested that Tyron Smith would come back in to start at left tackle. We did see Jason Peters play some at left tackle. Um, Rich, you're the old line man, uh, along with myself. What do you make of the left side of the line? Who? I, I think we're all. On? I think we all are, Graham. I think we're all. It's pretty much we're all in session tonight. Um, one thing I do want to say is Steele had a good night. 
Steele's been great all season. It really has. Yeah. Like, but he like, had a real good night. Like, hmm. if you go and watch, he had a really good night. Um, the left side was pretty decent, really, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Um, would, it's like you said at the top, it's hard to come away with a negative. The only real negative you can come away with, in my mind, is that they scored three points. But that's not, <laughs> but, but that our line still, well, well, that's on our defense more than anything, but still, though, we still managed to stop. But exactly, that but, was, it was insane. But I will say this, though, I think we, uh, we owe an, an apology to an offensive lineman as well as Tyler Bayadish. Mm-hmm. He's, I thought he, you were going to see Conor McGovern. I'm as well, but I'm more so on um, Bayadish, who has been like a certified starter um, for the past couple of, like, couple of seasons now. He's definitely, like, since he's went with uh, Duke Merriweather, like under his off-season program, we're seeing a massive transformation in terms yep. of, like, he's really went up that projection. Same with Terrence Steele as well. He's trained under Duke Merriweather as well. It just shows you that, what you do in the off season plays plays a major part going into actual regular season football, and we're seeing that right now. Like no one would thought, like we thought our O line was going to be the weakest point. But don't get me wrong, there has been we- a moments of switching off at times in certain games, like some like in the Green Bay game, for example, and likes of Tampa Bay. Um, but overall, collectively, from the the night what. Nine, what ten games we've played? Yeah, ten games we've played yeah. this year so far. You, our O line have been very, very good. Like it's not to the, it's not up to the Great Wall of Dallas level, but no. it, it, it's it's progressing little bit by bit by bit up to that again. So if you can well, if you can hold the likes of Danu Hunter, um, Harrison Smith, who's a, a safety that likes to come into the box. Uh, Eric Kendricks, Zadarius Smith, no sacks. Yep. Dak did not get sacked at all. Nope. It's Sunday. amazing what continuity does. And the, the only time the only time he was close to getting sacked was because Dak actually spun around. Turned in, yeah, he turned in. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, then Tommy Romo didn't turn around and say, Oh, that's giving me a flashback to what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And last thing I really want to say, and Lauren knows exactly what I'm gonna say, Joe Philbin. Yeah. Like, mm. like I've been this guy's biggest critic for the past couple yep. of years, and I don't know what he's done this year, something different. But like, don't, like, like I said, there's been like we switch us there and there. I have criticised him, but overall, he's completely changed his coaching style this year. And I don't know if that may be down to like influence from other outside coaches to help him out, help cater these specific type of players, whatever. But Philbin's done a great job, so I, I'd rather give him props. I'd rather give him props. I think we need to change the title of this podcast to the the Humble Pie Podcast for, oh, for this. That's <laughs> a fair one. I, absolutely. I mean, but, yeah. while we're at it, while we're at giving Jews where they're due, um, what are we going to say to and about Kellen Moore? I'm still on the fence with him. To be fair, I'm like, on the fence, but the guy like, just went out and orchestrated he did. forty burger. But yeah, but. In, yeah. in, in hindsight to that, why can't we do, like, in terms of, like, decisions on the play, why can't we do something more effective like what we did just there against, like, the Green Bay? That's my... I agree. Yeah. 
that, I that's, like, I'm, that's that, my that, in a bubble. That, that, that's the only that, that my my problem's not so much Kellen Moore. Like I, he can do some <clears> really <throat> nice, effective plays, but he's not consistent in terms of the game plan. I don't think. Yeah. I don't. I think his game game awareness in terms of situations can be a bit mm-hmm. very out there sometimes I and mean, you're like why did we do that like where we could yep. like for example the green bay game where we, we were third and six we had two attempts we could have easily had two attempts to rush the ball to get that first down and that overtime rather yep. than then throwing the ball so and, rather than kicking yeah. the field goal yeah so um right. yeah that, that's the only, that, that's it for me it's two games it's the packers game and the lions game I'm not ready to sign Kellen Moore up to be a head coach because of those two games. We got mm-hmm. the win against the Lions, but our offense made hard hard work of it, and our defense kept us in that game long enough. Yep. Um, so I, I want to see it every single week. But I, I, the one thing I'd counter with that, though, I mean, the Lions have come on since losing to us. They've come on with a three-game win streak, and they've not. Yeah. Not, you know, obviously they knocked the Giants out last weekend. So, um, you know, they are no slouches. Obviously, beginning of the season, they had the number one offense in the league as well in terms of points scored. They, unfortunately, they had the, the 32nd defense in terms of points allowed. Um, but, you know, just <coughs> a couple, couple of minor alterations that here and there for the, during the bye week. And, you know, they played us tougher. Um, and you know, they've, they've then gone on and put three straight wins against uh, together for them. And I mean, that's again, I'm I'm not a historian of the Detroit Lions, but you'd have to go back probably about 20 or 30 years for them to have a, a three game win streak. So, um, I think I think Labarski just nailed this 100%. Their comment and, and just nailed it. So, so Labasi yeah. just mentioned the problem with Kellen, he gets a piece of success and it goes to his head and he gets cute again. He just needs to show maturity and discipline as a play caller game in and game out. That that is spot on. That's that that's the problem. Like I don't know if it's just success yet. Like this is why I'm kind of a wee bit worried for the pre-game now. If he's gonna start being fancy, even though we've already played the Giants before, what's he gonna do in this game? If he can just do what he did against Minnesota in terms of yep. like the less is more approach, then yep. we can get a lot more effective football team. Exactly. If he hopefully he's learned his lesson, and this is where I was wanting to go with it in terms of in a bubble in that game, give him his juice. Now go out and do it again. I Prove remember. everyone wrong. Don't get cute with it. Don't let it get to your head. And this show that this team is consistent, that you are consistent. You can lead and orchestrate this team to be consistent on the offensive side because we know the defense can deliver. Yeah. Go show it. And everyone will think no. I don't know if you're ready now, Graham, but do you find we should move on to the defense? Because that's nearly yeah, the we've, last we've reached the hour mark. Show. <laughs> and we've not even talked about the defense yet. <laughs> Let's right. do it. Let's do it. Do you like that, Kirk? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I man. didn't see much bling on the plane either. That's <coughs> because Micah Parsons stole the chain. He was like, I'm, I'm just chucking, I'm just throwing out the one liners. I'm just boom, boom, oh. boom, boom, just like, enjoying like, it. Um, see, again, I'm gonna go back to the whole point where what Michelle McCoy was saying on speak. Like, for him to say that Cousins is better than Dak Prescott, I don't know what 
like I don't know if it's just so many knocks to the head when he was playing for Philadelphia. I don't know what it is. He ain't. He's he ain't. He's a fool. Absolute fool. <laughs> and the fact that Kirk Cousins actually got taken off the game just speaks words itself. Having what Mullins in, in the game? Yep. Man. I think they genuinely thought that Kirk Cousins was, was going to end up hurt. You know, there's, there's only so much punishment you can take. Um, I mean, let's let's start there. The 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 D line in terms of QB pressures, um, we're running out of adjectives to describe this unit. I mean, is this the best pass rush in the league? It's got Hands to be, down. isn't it? Hands down, Hands, we're, Hands down we're about eight or nine sacks ahead of the absolutely rival. So, um, and I think we're on we're on track for. Breaking the the records yeah, for, yeah. again for our franchise. I mean, I think the, the franchise record sixty two back in nineteen eighty three or something like that. Now, fair fair enough. You have to anything before eighty one. They never actually counted sacks, um, so it was never a recognised stat until about nineteen eighty two or so. Um, but I mean, this this is certainly. Probably our best. Uh, certainly, it beats the the years of Charles Haley and Co. Um, for for domination in in terms of getting your pressure on the quarterback. I mean, five players got to Cousins, including my best friend Demarcus Lawrence. Rich, yep. talk us through it. I mean, talk about variety. It's it was literally it was at at that point where I think it was you. In, in the admin group chat just was just turning around and was like, you get a sack, you get a sack, you get a sack, you get a sack. <laughs> was that Oprah Winfrey? Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. It was genuinely ridiculous. Like you expect that kind of spread to a quarterback with his receivers on a good day, not with your defensive line and your defensive unit getting sacks on the quarterback. Like, frick me. Like, is this the best pass rush in the league? Like, yeah. Freaking A it is. Next question. Yep. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I was making it up in my own head, but the lack of flags on defense as well. That's got to be yeah. a huge I think there was one DPI, was there? Oh, I can't remember, but I, I, in fairness, like I did, I did feel like um, Diggs got lucky not to get called on Jefferson. To be fair, but that was what I was trying to make the, the, that point early on. From mm. Vikings fans, oh, we should have got that. It's like, ah, yeah, you're you're probably right, but the score still would have been yeah. 40, 40 points to ten. So it doesn't. They're gonna go. Let it, it go, pretty much. They're they're, so. they're gonna come and go in every game. And as much as he got lucky there, he didn't get lucky in that he just missed the pick. So everything balances out in its own way. Yeah. Just to show that we are balanced on this show, that, that was kind of a segue. Um, not many teams manage a defensive um, holding call on on the defensive line. I can't remember which, which D lineman it was, but they, they, Carl, they hold Carl the centre. Carlos <laughs> you don't see that very often. <laughs> we were pulling out all the stops on Sunday. <coughs> there they are. P.I., hands of the face. Ah, hands of the face. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the pressures, um, I think, is the main reason why they got away from Dalvin Cook. 
I mean, well, he is one of the best backs in the league, and they, 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 they literally didn't have time to run the ball. Just to remember as well, so I don't know, I mentioned this on the, the pregame show that uh, our good friend, uh, Professor O, a.k.a. Matt Owen, uh, does work for the Cowboys Wire. He does a lot of data analytics and stuff like that. And he made the tweet saying, under Kirk Cousins, when pressured, his completion rate is under 50%. Yep. Like, it's, it's something stupid like It's ridiculous. Or something. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like 47.3% or something like that. Um, whenever he's pressured, like, and by, by my goodness, how much that like, I kind of felt sorry for Kirk Cousins in a way. Yep. Nah. Nah. Former <laughs> commander. Nah. <laughs> no, no, it, it was. It's like we are ruthless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like. Some it was like someday it was like it was like that meme that no a meme is the clip from Rocky. It's like throw him the damn towel. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So let's let's go around the house. Who was our defensive player of the game? It have to be part. You have to think about it. It was incredible. You've really got to think about it. It, it, it. The obvious choice would have to be Parsons, but trying to look and breaking it down and stuff like that. The we actually, I'm going to say, it, but we actually did get to see Jabril Cox play out there as well. Like, even though, yeah. like, but I wouldn't say he was a standout, but it's just good to see him come out. But in terms of everybody yeah. else, um, Brown had a great game. Um, Diggs, I would say Diggs was probably, when you're in retrospective, going up against arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, only put him to what? Traveling with him. Was it, what, 18 yards he only got in total? Uh, let me just double check. Uh, no, a total of 33 yards and three targets. Yeah, and if if he only had a bit of him on his hand as well, he would have made that fantastic one-handed interception as well. Oh, yeah. So, so close. That would have been... I, th- I think for me, I think, Dig- I think Diggs deserves the... I would say... Um, I would maybe push him ahead because the way how Minnesota were playing, they were forced to be mm. playing... Yeah. They forced to play more in the passing route. Uh, to kind of get Jefferson and Hawkinson more involved. So, um, I mean, obvious choice is Parsons, but I'm going to say Diggs for me. Yeah, there's a conversation to be had between um, Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson to be the best receiver in the league. And Jefferson was an on-event on, mm-hmm. on Sunday, that's, really. That's two games in a row, pretty much. And that's what Labasi's just mentioned there. In two games, Jefferson's <clears> five <throat> catches for 55 yards. That's, so that's, here's one for you, Rich. Will we see an end to the Doran Armstrong coming out party, or is it going to last the entire season? Mm, oh, that's a good one. I mean, I hope <laughs> it lasts for the, the entire Paul's got an season. <laughs> Go on, Paul. I hope it lasts. Keep keep the ball rolling. Doran Armstrong is having the season of all seasons for him. Like of all the criticism we had him being one of Jerry's guys. Like as a good old Stephen Jones, we like our guys. Dorns is one of their guys, but since and somebody mentions that like, do we miss Randy Gregory? The answer is no. No, like, and I'll Dorn, eat humble Dorn, pie on that one. Yeah, Dorns Armstrong has stepped up. He's now on a career best of sacks, career best yeah. in pa- pass, uh, uh, pass, like um, pressures. I mean, and we're just past the halfway point of the season. Just past yeah. it. So I don't want to well, jinx it. I don't want to see. Yes, I, 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 I don't see how we can jinx. I don't really, especially like when you look overall. We have been 
that defense, like the only bad game we did have defensively was last week. Mm. I mean, the, the other thing as well you can say is, right, for the money that we were going to pay Randy Gregory, we got Dante Fowler yes. as well. Combined, they have 12 sacks on the season. Five yep. for Dante Fowler, seven for um, Dorrance Armstrong. Dorrance Armstrong has been knocking the ball loose as well. Recovering yep. fumbles. Special teams. Special teams. Yeah. I think the problem with Dorrance Armstrong, the, the first three or four leagues uh, years in the league, he was behind guys like Randy Gregory, um, guys that were basically brought in to, to take on the, the number one role effectively or the number two if, outside the, the Marcus Lawrence. He wasn't getting the playing time. The last couple of years... Due to injuries or whatever, you've seen a little bit more of him. And, you know, obviously he took a step last year. This year he got the contract. The Cowboys rewarded him, uh, showed faith in him. And he's paying it back in spades at the moment with with everything that he's getting. And it's purely the amount of snaps he's getting that he's he's allowing to to develop more than he, he ever has. Because he was always a sort of spot player coming in two, three Two three snaps a game, or so, or two three snaps a drive, just to give Randy Gregory a, a breather or whatever. Um, and he he's now out there, and I mean, thank God he's not hitting the market next year because uh, you know that would be another absolute dismantle of our defense if if you're having to pay all of that as well. So, um, so what's for- <clears throat> what's the kind of report card we've got on? Second round pick Kelvin Joseph. I think uh, I'm not sold on him to be honest. Great, not to bring the the show down. Special teams player. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) As a a corner, I think he's got got a hell a lot to improve on. But special teams, he's a bat out of hell. He's really effective when it comes to um, like for punt or kickoff. He's really effective. Not a great return for a second round pick, is it, Rich? No, no, not a great turn at all. But this time, yeah. But the, the reason I, the reason I bring it up is obviously because we don't have the depth that we did at the start of the season. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. Um, thank goodness for Deron Bland. Oh man, he's come in and jumped what? up the depth chart <laughs> in no uncertain terms. He, he's he's been great. He's been great, Duran Brand. Like, and people thought he would have been like a practice squad and stuff like that, but he's really stepped up as well. But uh, I, I kind of want to bring up uh, Labasi's coach because you mentioned second round draft pick. What oh, about, go on. What, what about what about this year's second round draft pick? The one that's been meeting me eat humble, humble pie all year, <laughs> Sam Williams. Not, Sam Williams. Not just yourself, Paul. I thought. I, I think a lot of people. That a lot of people suplex. Suplex was sick. Hey, but, speaking about suplexes, just in a different conversation. Uh-huh. Did anyone, no, did I, anyone, don't, I don't exactly hear you. Anyone see John Ridgeway actually power bombs? <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, <laughs> that was ridiculous. <laughs> power bomb during a game, mad. But Sam Williams had is having a real good season. You can see the improvement more or less from game to game with him. He's having a really good time. And return on investment conversations. Yeah. 
Easy, um, and, and easy money. Got, and, and, we, and we've got Rohan for four years. Exactly. So we'll 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 bring it up again. Um, this is an eight and one offense they were facing. Now you can you, we all have our own opinions on Kirk Cousins, but yeah. he is. I I would describe him as above average. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. certainly not the worst quarterback in the league. No. Up against yeah. a stud running back, Dalvin Cook. He's been a fantasy star for a long, long time. Uh, three down back. Justin Jefferson, arguably the best back in the league. They were non-events on Sunday. You, It was very much one of those games where like, people would turn around and say, oh, okay, but you beat such and such. You played whoever and all the rest of it to try and take it out. It's like, okay, fair enough. That's a valid point. But if you're going to play teams who are not that great, then you best be scoring a buttload of points. And I think the same thing happens there in terms of his weakness being pressure. And the Cowboys brought a ton of it, negated pretty much the entire offense, and put all those points up and stopped them in their tracks. That is the kind of performance you expect when you're playing, when you have that kind of matchup. If they were still scoring points and they were doing as well, then you can have that kind of conversation and you can start taking stuff away from it. But that is exactly what you expect. If you're going to have that kind of a matchup, you need to exploit it. And the good teams exploit it. Yeah. And I, I think, obviously, the I, I joked on Thursday night that you need to tell Kirk Cousins that this was primetime game. And it, for two and a mm-hmm. half quarters, it was. It was... It, it, it was the, the game, game went off. For, it was a game of the week for CBS until they pulled the plug nationally, and you only got. It was only in uh, Minnesota and and in Texas that you were, you were getting the game, mm-hmm. um, you know. And but I think, as I say, that 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 sack on the third play from scrimmage that just seemed to rattle Kirk Cousins completely, and from that point on, he was sort of ducking and diving and seeing ghosts almost. Um, and you know, lost it, lost his uh, left tackle, and you know they just had nothing. And you talk about Kellen Moore, but I mean, I don't think the the Minnesota Vikings actually their offensive coordinator had a good game plan because he couldn't he couldn't make the adjustments. <laughs> Excuse me. No, I bring up this comment. Uh, great comment by DJ Dog. Um, Diggs travelled with Jefferson on Sunday. Yeah, so um, earlier. He travelled. Yeah, it was we uh, we heard Tony Romo say that if now if you claim a guy on the other side of the ball, you better be ready to go and back up your talk. Um, Diggs did that in spades. Um, is that something we could see going going forward? That Diggs travels with the other team's number one because it certainly worked on Sunday. Well, I mean, he's shown he's capable. It's always been, I mean, coming out of last season and into this season, it was the criticism, you know, all the criticisms of him in that he he just plays in space, he allows a lot of yards, et cetera, et cetera, and you can take your views on that. But he's showing now that he doesn't do that. He's he's not just a one-trick pony, and he can travel. We're the damn good wide receiver. He's showing that. He's showing that this Cowboys secondary is able to address a team 
however they need to, or however they think is best to do it, they can do it. They're able to do it. It doesn't matter how it needs to happen. He doesn't have to do it, quote unquote, his way, the way he normally does it, playing it like a wide receiver. He can do what he needs, what needs to be done effectively from a traditional sense. Yeah. So Paul, he's certainly, he's certainly taken strides this year from last year. Um, <clears throat> I, I think he's still got a weakness when you, you ask him to play against a guy in the slot. He's more yeah. of an outside cornerback, but mm. you know that'll be the next. That'll be what he goes and sits down next season or next off season and says, "Right, I need to work on this." Yes. And you know he'll he'll have his experts that he'll be working with, and obviously helps when you've got a brother who's a all pro wide receiver as well and you're mm-hmm. in against him. So um I, I, he'll come he'll come back even better next year, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Paul, are you looking forward to trying to renegotiate with Diggs in twenty twenty three? That'll be good fun. Oh man <laughs> Man, we've got so many big head decisions like don't forget there's Parsons coming up a couple of years time. There's Diggs like yeah, uh, it's. Do I have faith in the front office to get stuff done? I do. I do have faith. Like when it comes to the key players, like the Diggs and stuff like that, they'll want to keep him because they know how much market value they bring to that in terms of merchandise. Like we could argue back then with Byron Jones, he didn't really um, sell like extra money in terms of outside of football, in terms of merchandise and stuff like that, whereas Diggs does. Like Chris, what the th- type of player Diggs brings to the team mm-hmm. on the field? Like, don't get me wrong, I love Byron Jones when he played for us as a corner. Like, he was the one no one wanted to pass to. But did he make the like shutdowns as much? Did he do the interceptions and picks not as much? But he was still a good cornerback. But we transpired to Trevon Diggs with his name being number seven. It sells more. I think Jerry was like, no, we can't afford to lose that. They want to try and keep him as much as possible. I yeah, I don't think they're going to want a repeat of. Don't want, don't want to repeat that with Byron Jones letting no. him go. They don't want to repeat that. I also don't think they want a repeat of the initial situation with Randy Gregory, where it was kind of on the line, and then oh, okay, good point, good right. potential, a good point. yeah, yeah, right at the last second, and then he went, Do you know what, f you, I'm going over here. I don't think they're going to take those kinds of risks as readily, even though it worked out. I, I think they may be a little bit safer this time round. Yeah, Who wants to hazard a guess at what Diggs' cap number is for this year? I'm sure you're going to tell us. Because <laughs> I don't um, know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to rough guess maybe like one and a half million or something like that. $1.7 million. No, I, wasn't far, I wasn't far off. Is I, that would be the... rough guessing. Is there a better value across the league right now? I mean, no. seriously, <laughs> they're going to have to get this Parsons? guy done. Like, well, yeah, Micah Parsons, uh, probably he'll be on about one and a half at the moment. True, that's, that's another good shout. Yeah, that's another good shout. So um, I think we've, we've, we've praised both sides of the ball enough. Let's move on to the third and most important unit of the, the Dallas Cowboys, um, Mr. Maher. Like I'm, I'm sure we've all eaten our words at some point. Um, yeah, he has missed might, yeah. two field goals all season. He kicked a sixty-yarder. They told him to do it again, 
and he went back out and, and did a better. Had an even better attempt. I mean, um, I just want to say, does continue? Does it continue? I, does it I, continue? Just, I just want to say, Bret Hart Mahar, for what you're doing so far, I do apologize for anything I have ever said about you. Yep. Just you keep doing what you're doing, son. Keep it, keep it going. Yeah, how sick must that have felt? Like, how good must that have felt to to get it denied you and then go out and do it again? I feel like you're... And then just be like, eh, and just walk off. It was was like a walk-off kick like to the referees. It's like, like, oh, you're going to do me that? Well, watch this. Like, if ever there was a time for him to to do it, like for someone to strut off the field, that would have been it. Like yeah. arm swinging, giving it the full boss, that would that would have been acceptable, and everyone would have been like, "Yeah, found well, well done." Well, you you almost did see him doing doing that, but you know he he was <laughs> just very slightly more guarded with it than um, yeah. obviously the, the the Minnesota who got done for taunting. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I mean, obviously, again, we were all complaining why why didn't he try a fifty three yarder in Green Bay? But I mean. The, you know, this this was a no pressure kick. If he if he'd missed it, you know, there was five seconds before the ball would have, the ball would have ended. You know, by the time it had been it been downed or whatever, um, it'd be the end of the half anyway. So it was a no pressure kick. Um, sh- sure enough, the refs tried to make it pressure packed by you know, t- they took Dallas called a timeout after that after the catch and you know so they had the full 90 seconds there you probably had about 20 seconds to to set up mm. the, the ball as well you're talking almost two minutes before they then actually said wait a minute we need to review this that is just absolutely shocking <laughs> i agree i, I agree there's, there's been yeah. a lack of in time and i i don't like it what what i do like about turpin though was one of the returns, obviously, people are saying he's a hundred, what, hundred and fifty-five pounds, if uh, soaked through. Um, you know, how's he going to survive in the league? There was one, there was one play where he, you know, the Minnesota player tried to lower the boom on him, and he came off worse. So, you know, don't don't think that Turpin's going to go down easy. He he can pack a punch when he's when he's taking a tackle. Um, so I, I was quite impressed with that. But so, and just even though Brett, um, Brian Anger as well, I mean, two punts uh, the whole game and averaged, I think it was 49 yards a punt as well. I mean, that's, to me, our, our special teams gets an A as well, I think, to be honest. So special oh, teams yeah. gets an A minus just because... Shane Williams 2.0 doesn't get a touchdown yet, and until that happens, I'm not giving them a straight A. That's it's it's that simple. <laughs> right, Paul. It's I just want it. Easier. I want it. I don't care. I, it's, everything else can go fine. I just want to see Turbin just get it and just go off like an F14 and just accelerate and bye bye. Thank you, Paul. It's um it's a lot easier to love your team when you don't have to convert in fourth down, isn't it? Oh, oh yeah, big time. Big time. What, was, what was the third down conversion? Conversion rate again? Uh, Someone like find 12. that out for you. Wait a minute. Tw- was it only 70%. one? Seventy percent. 
70 percent yeah. according to nfl.com 70 percent the the yeah. the vikings 12, converted 9 percent and there was only one punt in the game wasn't there just the one uh punt no there was uh, there was a punt months. in the fourth as well Right. There was a point. Um, so an easy, an easy day at the office for Brian Anger as well. Yeah, if um, your opponent's doing that, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, certainly to 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 wrap up the whole game, it felt like 2016-2017 Cowboys, didn't it? I mean, mm. just going through some of the stats for you: 37 minutes time of possession, um, no sacks allowed. No interceptions thrown. We didn't fumble the ball. Um, highest scoring per, um, margin on the road in Cowboys history. Um, I'll tell you one trying, word. We're trying to be balanced, but it was it was pretty good. I'll tell you I'll, one. You know, I'm all a bit more one word summaries. The one word I'm going to say about that Cowboys team against the Vikings was clinical. Yeah, that's a, that's a strong one. Flawless is another good one. There you go. There you dominant. Go. I think flawless. Uh, flawless is actually the winner on that one. I think. Yep. Yeah. Uh Anyway, should we, we start start paying the bill shortly? Just just one last one. Um, yeah. Cooper Rush. Uh, four or five. I forgot he came on the field. I forgot about that. You know, like. <laughs> You know the hit, the hits just keep on coming. Boom, boom, oh boom, boom. Um, oh, wait a minute, wait, hold on, now, Graham. Look who's arrived on the chat. Jamie has arrived. So Jamie, I don't know if anyone recalls what he put as his prediction, and I don't think any of us like like he like he was probably the biggest doubt on that. I can't imagine how Jamie must have felt after seeing that game. Oh, mate, unreal. Yep. So Jamie of um, subtitle. <laughs> so Jamie Sotelo. So have we got any, any more points to, to pick up on on Sunday or are we just ready to are we ready for Turkey Day? Let's um, do it all again. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm ready for Turkey Day. But yeah, let's we'll, we'll go and hit the pay the bills and we'll get ourselves out the road. So yes, guys, if you are planning going to a Dallas Cowboys game like myself next week, going for the Colts and Texas game, be sure to go away the Cowboys experience for the ultimate meet and greet stadium tours. Get great game tickets and the ultimate tailgating experiences and much more. Get to meet players like Sir Jane Overchet, Micah Parsons, Zach Martin, Travis Federick, Hall of Famer Drew Pearson, and many more. Like I said, guys, like we've used Cowboys experience in the past and they treat you like absolute royalty. So be sure to go check their web website at cowboysexperience.com and be sure to reference the reference code UK Cowboys. And guys, what do you get if you use the discount code? You get free stuff. Rich is really good at explaining how to do it. Rich, just take it away. Tell the folks just, at home how to do it. It's I, I don't understand how people like I'll I'll let them off because I've been away for a while, right? Mine mine keep it PC friendly and professional. PC friendly, that's fine. I've been I've been pretty good. I I don't think I've sworn all night. I think I've been pretty good this time. Well, you almost split one out. I said frick. <laughs> that was it. But I've been away for a while. Some people may have forgotten. But it's pretty easy. You use the codes, you get free stuff. It is that simple. Don't, for the love of God, use the code. It's free and it's stuff. Use it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a nice big goodie bag with lots of cowboy stuff. What more do you want? So be sure to check them out. And obviously, 
finally we need to give a big shout out to our fellow content creators thanks of all the official channels from dallascowboys.com we're talking cowboys hang with the boys the break you got the guys from 105.3 the fan blogging the boys where you where you can hear myself and Meg murray talking the world's team and uh and I don't know if you guys know as well, but the guys from the Cowboys Can Fund, they're actually on the road right now going to Dallas for the Thanksgiving game right now. They were there in Minnesota. And if you watch their um, reaction videos of them at the game, it is absolutely brilliant. So you should go and check them out as well. Go and see Lisa J. Tuck at CFO Sports, Pick 6 Sports with our guest from uh, the PDM show, Knicks. And yeah, go and check everybody out. You'll not be disappointed about any shortage of any Cowboys content. Yep. And after you do, make sure you come back and you use your code to get free stuff. <laughs> Every time you use the code, you get free stuff and Eagles fan cries. That's a fact. Yeah. That's, that's one thing we like to see is cry, Eagles Full cry. I, cry, Eagles cry. Uh, pints of Eagles tears. That's what I like to see. And That's all I, I drink all night. And uh, and and as I just saying, what my host, uh, my co-host Meg always says, Dallas forever, Philly for never. So we'll leave it that. Mm -hmm. well, we can, looking we'll forward to getting those t-shirts short, shortly. Yeah, well. yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> I think we'll uh, we'll wrap up week eleven there. Mike will be delighted. An hour and a half, spot on for time. That is You're welcome, Mike. Superb. Yep. Thank you to my three starters on offense for managing your QB through the game. I don't think I coughed too often. I don't know if I coughed in the audio. Thank I've you to Ron, thank stuff. you to Paul, thank you to Rich, thank you to Team Forty Burger, thank you to McCarthy, mm. thank you to Quinn, thank you to Kevin Moore. <laughs> like to thank my mum, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's just go on quite steady, guys. Let's go. So, so, so the one thing to say is we're back tomorrow night, obviously, yep. with it being yep. Thanksgiving, yep. we're yep. back yep. tomorrow yep. night. Yep, yep. Um, so, and... If you remember what our Thanksgiving shows are like, we normally hook up with Barry and Cowboys Experience, and we normally have a few special guests. Yeah, you don't um, want to miss it, guys. You, do you don't want to miss it, tomorrow night. Believe me, we, we, if, we, we, everything's, if everything comes off, um, yeah. tomorrow night's going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, I actually almost gave it away by giving a wee, a wee uh, clue there, but no, I'm not going to do that, actually. But no. <laughs> But you guys, no, 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 I, uh, I don't, I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin it. But guys, be sure to swing by tomorrow, 9 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Central time. If you're there in the States, um, we'll be here tomorrow because obviously, like Lawrence is saying, Thanksgiving games on Thursday. So we're doing our pre-game show against the Giants tomorrow. So don't miss out. You like that? You like that? <laughs> and that, oh, with that being, waiting for that. And with that, well, with that being said, I'm calling it a night. See you soon, guys. Enjoy yeah. Turkey Day. Yeah, Enjoy. catch you tomorrow night, guys. Enjoy, Enjoy guys. catch you tomorrow. I'm already.